Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Although the Bible tells us that we will have trouble in life, Jesus commands us to let not our heart be troubled. In Jesus Christ, we are told that we need not live in worry or anxiety or fear or concern. Jesus declared that the way we do this is to trust in our Heavenly Father and to trust in Him. Let's open our Bible now to John 14 and learn how to not have troubled hearts. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Today, um, we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to begin in John chapter 14. Um, Lord willing, we'll go verses 1 through 4 today. Um, this is going to be the second of our, uh, not only podcast, but the second time we're doing video. Um, uh, just a sincere thank you there were um i don't know how many there could have been 20 of you guys i don't know how many of you guys gave feedback on uh and it, and it only went out friday and so in three days we have gotten uh you know some some wonderful feedback y'all have shared some things with me and as you can see we've made we've already made uh i don't know a dozen adjustments you know from the uh from the first one from the first uh video um uh, it's still a, a private YouTube channel, um, so you can only see it by, um, you know, by invite. But hopefully, uh, Stephen and the IT uh, department will be able to get that. You know, once we feel like it's, or they feel like, because I don't really have an opinion. But once you know they feel like it's, uh, you know, where it needs to be, then it, you know, the uh, the private label will be taken off, and you know, anybody will be able to watch it from anywhere. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, but again, you, there were, again, just consistent adjustments. Again, I just want to thank all y'all, uh, my beautiful daughters, Kristen and Lauren, uh, my lovely wife, May, Miss Wendy. You can see that I'm out of the, uh, the race car chair, right? Miss Sarah, you see there's no race car chair here. So um, uh, for my lovely wife, I'm wearing a, a collared shirt. I hope that... Uh, that makes you happy because I, frankly, I like my short sleeve shirts. You know, I like being comfortable. Now I, you know, now I'm all dressed up here, right? But uh, hopefully this is more presentable and more appealing to y'all. Like I said, you, you have to, you really got to play the hand you're dealt. This is what I look like. I mean, we can, we can do some things. Steven and the, and, the, and, and the IT people can do some editing. But ultimately, this is how I look. Again, forgive me. But, you know. You know, you got to play the hand you're dealt. So um, today we're going to do, again, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Lord willing, we'll get uh, through verse 4, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, some of the most incredible, just powerful scriptures in all the Bible. The principles in these verses um, are... Are, 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 they're so much more, but you can't even put words to them. They're extremely comforting. They're extremely encouraging. They're extremely commanding. Um, 
And so um, if you haven't studied John 14, um, and, you know, one of the most famous verses and most important verses in all the Bible is John 14, verse 6. If you recall, John 14, 6 is where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that verse is not ambiguous. That verse says clearly that Jesus Christ is the only way. The only way to have your sins forgiven. The only way to come in relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father. The only way to come in relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior and Master and King and Husband. Uh, Christians are called the Bride of Christ, right? That's because we're one with Jesus spiritually. When you become a Christian, when you call on Jesus and ask him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and joins himself to your spirit and gives you new life. You become a new creature. You become spiritually alive. You're already naturally alive and physically alive, you know, at conception. Regrettably, the Bible teaches that at conception, we also receive what the Bible calls a sinful nature. Uh, King David said, surely I was sinful from my mother's womb. And as we've said before, we don't, you know, we don't have to look far to see the sinful nature in human beings and, and even in infants. The Bible makes it clear. It's not popular. I don't even like it. But the Bible makes it clear that all human beings are sinful, even at birth. Even in the womb, we have this nature of sin. And the sinful nature, its primary focus is to want its own way. And, and I admit it. You know, as a Christian man, as a, as a Bible teacher, I still, I want my own way all the time. I do. Um, and that's because I'm battling the sinful nature that lives in me. Now, by the mercy of God, I have Jesus Christ living in me. And his spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives in me. And the Holy Spirit is one with my spirit. And together with the word of God and the son of God, you know, we live our lives, you know, in freedom, battling back that sinful nature. But although the sinful nature has been defeated, when you receive Christ, it is not eradicated, right? Because every one of us can still feel in us, you know, temptations or urges to want our own way, to be selfish. Um, and I was saying, you can even see it in children, and I've told this story, my, my beautiful twin girls, they're now 25 and a half years old, uh, Kristen and Lauren, and when they were one year old, right? My daughter, uh, Lauren, they would both have the same toy, okay? Whatever the toy is, right? They didn't have this toy, but they had a toy, right? And it was the exact same one. And I bought them the same toy. And they'd be playing with it at one year old, one. And my sweet little Lauren, right? Little angel, remember, sweetheart? She would crawl across the floor, right, you know? Grab her sister's toy, which is identical to hers, take her sister's toy and take it back and put it with her toy so that now she has two identical toys. Her sister has none. Her sister is bawling, crying 
She don't care. Because all she knew is she wanted both toys and she wanted her sister to have no toys. Even though she already had the same toy. Now, why would she do that? There's, there's no rational reason for that except for what the Bible teaches and that human beings enter the world with a sinful nature. And the primary focus and desire is the sinful nature is to want its own way. Not God's way, but its own way. As I've said, even as Christians, most of us are not thy will be done people, but my will be done people. Jesus set us the example when he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And yet I confess that much of the time in my life, I say, Father, not thy will, but mine be done. I don't say the words, but that's how it plays out in my actions. So, obviously, I have to go now, and 25 years ago, I'd have to take that toy from my daughter, Lauren, the second one, give it back to my daughter, Kristen, and now Lauren is screaming, crying. She's so upset because she doesn't have both toys, and she needed both. She wanted both, didn't care that her sister had none. So we see the sinful nature in operation, even in very young infant children, right? Um, I'm not happy about it, but that's what the Bible teaches. Other religions, you know, talk about children being beautiful and children being innocent. That's not what the Bible teaches. Now, now of course, you know, um, we understand it's a child, but you could see a child left to itself with no parenting whatsoever, will become a monster. Obviously, a loving parent, myself or their mother, would have to go and make the correction um, when the children are out of place, and certainly all of you recognize that. So, um, if you have Jesus living in your heart today, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, and you've trusted him as your only Savior, then... John 14, 6 says that in Jesus, your sins are forgiven and you have relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father. Again, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and Master and King. Um, this iPad is blinking out, but it's okay. I, when I'm touching it over there, I'm making the screen relight, but that'll be okay. Um, I was asked about that and I, I didn't know. Um, so yes, IT, my screen is going dark, but I don't mind touching it. So I guess we can fix that for next time. Um, we've changed it. Normally I had two big computer screens in front of me where I was reading the scriptures and you know, it was recommended by several people that we read differently, um, you know, for different camera angles and all that stuff. So that's, that's what's happened there. Um, but yeah, uh, John 14, six is one of the most offensive verses to the entire world. Because it says it's Jesus or bust. Either you have Jesus Christ or you have nothing. If you don't have Jesus Christ today, your life is meaningless. Now, I know, I'm sorry. I understand that that sounds hard, and I don't like it. But I don't get to make the rules. Heaven is not a democracy, right? We have a king. There's no vote. Now, the reason that is, is because we have a triune omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God that are perfect, sinless, righteous, never have, never will do anything wrong, ever. God is perfect, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
So this is what the word of God says. Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life for you and me, died a perfect death for you and me, and he's alive and risen, right? And the reason he did all that, the reason God the Son, Jesus, became a human man and lived a perfect life for you and died a perfect death for you is because you needed it and I needed it. Every human being in the world, 8 billion people, today, every single one needs to give their life to Jesus Christ. And really, if I could be perfectly candid, I wish y'all would. Because, you know, the Bible ends, I said this last time, with the three words, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Right, Jessica? As Christians, we want Jesus to come back. Our heart is to be with Jesus. And we know when Jesus comes back that everything in the world that's out of place, everywhere, and it is everywhere, even in the church, Jesus will set it right. Come, Lord Jesus. But, but Peter tells us in 2 Peter, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, but he doesn't want anyone to perish. So this is what I want everyone to do. I want everyone in the world right now to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Every human living being today, give your life to Jesus. Call on Jesus. Romans 10 verse 13 says that everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on Jesus today? Have you asked him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, save you from your sin and bring you to heaven when you die? If you'll do that today, if you'll call and receive Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, your sins will be forgiven, all of your sin, past, present, and future. Someone will say, John, what about my future sin? Well, ask yourself this question. When Jesus died on the cross for you, how many of your sins were future sins? I guess all of them, right? You understand? When Jesus died 2,000 years ago for you on the cross, all of your sins were future sins. So yes, this is not a license for you to go out and just live a, a, a sinful life. But all of your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. Christ pays the penalty for him. He stretches out his two hands. You nailed that hand to the cross. I nailed this hand to the cross. Okay? We nailed him to the cross. All of our sin is taken when we receive Jesus as Savior. If you'll just pray and simply say, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinful man or a sinful woman. Lord Jesus, I cannot save myself. I'm hopeless. But Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. I place all my faith and hope and trust in you alone to save me, Jesus, and to be my everlasting Lord and God. If you'll pray that today sincerely, you will become a Christian. You'll become a child of God. God the Father will become your heavenly Father. You'll come into relationship with Jesus. You'll have meaningful and true relationship with Jesus. You can hang out with him. You spend time with him. You have conversations with him. You enjoy his presence in your life. And if I could speak selfishly for a minute, 
If we could get all y'all to do that, all 8 billion people in the world, then Jesus could come back and we can get up out of here, right? Because it does start to wear on you after a while, doesn't it? I know I'm supposed to be patient and I already confess I don't do that well, but the cry of our heart is, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. But again, Peter told us that he hasn't come yet because he doesn't want anyone to perish. And to end this thought, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. These are his words. So the only way for you to have your sins forgiven and not perish, perish means that you spend eternity in hell separated from the triune God. The reason you're in hell is because you have not received the forgiveness of your sins, so your sin debt has to be paid. There's only two ways to have your sin debt paid. Every human being has a sin debt to God. You can either put your faith in Christ and call on him to be the Lord of your life, as we just did a few minutes ago, and if you do that, your sin debt will be paid in full, paid in full, past, present, and future, by Jesus Christ at the cross. The only other way to have your sin debt paid is by you spending eternity in hell paying for it yourself. And because the interest is so big on our sin, it bears interest. The debt will never be fully paid if you have to do it. So give your life to Jesus today. By his own word, he said he's the only way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I'm behind already, and I'm sorry. Um, I don't have a clock in front of me right now, so uh, someone can flash me how long I've been, uh, how long I've been talking. Um, 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 17 minutes. Golly, we're rolling. Thank you. Um, so, John 14, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll invite the Lord Jesus into our time. And uh, um, I know I got, I got going a little fast there today. I, uh, in most of the podcasts, we get some wonderful feedback and, um, from different folks, you know, um, you know from uh, you know, different parts of the country or even the world. And, and oftentimes, the feedback sometimes will say, you know, that, John, you're just a little bit, a little bit much. But today I was released. Today, a, a sister of mine who's a, 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 a competent minister in her own right, right? She's a, 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 just a solid minister for Jesus Christ. Um, you know, she told me that she didn't think it was too hard at all and that I ought to just, just keep going, just bring it to the next level. She actually said, I think you should go farther. Yeah. So. I mean, I was excited about that. So that was my, uh, my sister, Sarah. Thank you for the, uh, for the exhortation. So uh, I'm sure my wife, May, will just be, just be wonderfully pleased with that. So um, thank you for that, that exhortation, uh, Miss Sarah. So uh, John 14, um, verses 1 through 4. I don't know how far we'll get since we're already probably, what, 18, 19 minutes into this. Um, verse one says, this is Jesus speaking. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Lord Jesus, we do worship you and thank you and praise you, Lord. We love you, Father. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. We thank you for your love. And above all, Father, we thank you for, our, for Lord Jesus, our only God and Savior and Master and King and Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, um, again, I want to thank everybody. Uh, uh, Stephen and Suzanne have worked very hard um, in getting, you know, getting this, uh, you know, all this set up so that the studio could be more presentable and all that. So thank you guys. Um, I guess Hobby Lobby was involved. That's a place in Texas. It's called Hobby Lobby. You see how that rhymes? Hobby Lobby. You see that? Um, it, you know, it's, it's like a, a crafts place, I think, right? Where you can go and get kind of cool stuff. So I think some of this stuff in the picture came from that big, big craft store. So uh, thank you guys again, everyone. My man Rap, uh, Pop, um, you know, just uh, like I said, everyone I've mentioned. Uh, Miss Sarah, just thank you guys. Uh, of course, my wife. My wife may, I just got to pause and just say thank you. Cause you know, I must be the most loved man in the world. If love is characterized by people's care and desire and willingness to give a person constructive criticism on what they need to do better, I am the most loved person in the world, Scott. I am so blessed that I have, I mean, I have, a, I have a seemingly endless supply of people who are willing to give me their loving exhortations on what I can do better in almost every aspect of my life. And I just want to thank you for that. I do. Um, so I am, uh, I am blessed and, uh, you know, obviously I'm messing around with y'all a little bit, but keep it coming, right? The only thing we're married to in this ministry, okay? The only thing that's permanent, permanent, is the Son of God and the Word of God. Other than that, we can change whatever, okay? We're going to keep teaching the Son of God and the Word of God, the Word of God and the Son of God, under what the Bible teaches is our triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, okay? That's all that's permanent. Okay, that's all that's permanent. Other than that, y'all keep the suggestions going. If you don't like this shirt and you want me to wear one that's red, I'll put on a red one for you, right? Whatever, whatever we need to do. But all that's permanent, all that we're going to stick to, all that matters, the Word of God and the Son of God, the Son of God and the Word of God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that's all that matters in your life. And that's... That's why we do these teachings, is so that you and I can grow closer and more intimate in our relationship with our Heavenly Father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. They all want to have a relationship with us. They all want to have 
an individual relationship with you? Yeah. They all want to have a corporate relationship with you. So yes, you want to have a relationship with God, but then you all, you want to have a relationship with God, your father. You really want to walk with him and know him and have relationship with him, your heavenly father. But you also want to have a relationship with Jesus and just get to know Jesus, your Lord, your savior, your master, your king. And you also want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right? There was a time in my life where I was confused. I thought that the Holy Trinity was Father, Son, Holy Bible. But then someone told me, no, 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 it says in your Bible that the Holy Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Full-blown, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And, and he wants to have a relationship uh, with you and I as well. Um, so that's all that's permanent. Um, other than that, you know, keep the suggestions coming. And uh, if we can make adjustments and it can be, you know, more, uh, you know, more pleasing or, you know, more effective, then, then, then we are certainly open to it. And again, thank you for everyone, Miss Becky, just, just everyone who's given uh, Jessica just your thoughts. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, is, it is much appreciated. Thank you. Um, John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And this is probably all we'll get to today. This verse is, uh, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming in, in so many different parts. So let's break this one verse down. John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. It's a command. The disciples have been told some troubling things. They've been told that there's going to be a traitor. They've been told that, uh, that Jesus is going to be leaving them. And, and yet he gives them this command. It's, it's understandable. You would think it understandable. Jesus didn't tell them that they wouldn't have trouble. And this is a pivotal point. Jesus never told us we wouldn't have trouble. Jesus told us to not let our heart be troubled. You see the distinction there? That's an important distinction, Peyton. He actually tells us in this world you will have trouble. But here he says you don't have to live your life with a troubled heart, with a worried heart with a fearful heart. And it's not a request. Jesus doesn't make requests. It's funny, you know, I keep looking through my Bible. And, and it bothers me, truth be told, right? I'm supposed to have all these manners, right? Supposed to say please, supposed to say thank you, right? Bible wants me to do all these things, and so I, I work on it. But I never once could see Jesus doing that. Never once can I find a place in my Bible where Jesus said, please, ever. Nor another place where he said, thank you. Why do you suppose that is? Why am I supposed to say please and thank you and you, but not Jesus? Because he's God, right? God doesn't say please. Because the very word please implies that he needs you or me for something, and we really aren't needed. 
I know that's hard for some of us to hear. We're not necessary. He loves us unconditionally. He uses us. He wants us to be a part of his plan. He wants it to start at redemption, and he wants us to grow in, into, into the most meaningful and substantial relationship we could ever have, that our last day on earth, we just walk into heaven, and we can't even tell the difference because we were walking so deeply in relationship with Jesus. But it's important we understand that he's God and we are not. We are his creation. We are his property. And we're not necessary to him. He is already full. He is already complete. Now, yes, he does. He has set this up so that he does enjoy relationship with us. And he does grieve when we don't have relationship. But the reason Jesus doesn't say please is because there'd be no reason for him to say please. He doesn't ask you things. He tells you and me what to do. And to say thank you would mean that he needed to show some type of appreciation for what you did. So anyway, I confess that I find it interesting. And again, of course, I understand why, and I'm being facetious here a little bit, right? But, but we are expected, Matthew, in all our lives, and we should say please and thank you. But you won't find Jesus doing that. You remember the parable? Jesus says, you know, that we're only unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. You remember in that parable? Um, Luke 17, 18, I believe. And Jesus says, uh, you know, would the master thank the servant for what he did? No. And Jesus said the same with us, that we are unworthy servants, right? Do not let your hearts be troubled. It's a command from Jesus Christ. He didn't say we wouldn't have trouble, but he said not to let our hearts be troubled. Now that's easier said than done. Right? When, when difficult circumstances come, when difficult times come, it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard to, uh, to not be worried, to not be fearful, to not be concerned, to not let our heart be troubled. Um, but that's the command. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And you need to ask him to help you. You need to ask him to help you when your heart is troubled. Jesus, we, we love you, and we bless you, and we thank you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I, I do confess that oftentimes, Lord, I just live in this state where my heart is just seemingly consistently troubled about one thing or another, and I'm sorry, Lord. Lord, you told us not to worry. You told us not to let our hearts be troubled. I ask you to help us, Lord. Help us to do as you're going to tell us to do in the rest of this verse. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit. To trust in God and to trust also in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, 30 minutes, okay. Um, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. When he says, this statement is a profound statement. So the way, the way to keep our hearts from being troubled is to trust not only in God, but to trust also in Jesus. And we're going to finish here because this is, 
This is so pivotal. This is so important. You cannot only trust in God and not Jesus. If you, first of all, Jesus is God. And when he makes this statement, he's made himself equal to God. Okay? No rational being in history would ever put themselves after this statement. You would think he would have said, trust in God. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Because what can you put after that? Anything you put after God in the same sentence, you're now making equal to God. You're saying, and look what he says, trust in God. You notice these are all commands. Not, you might do this, you should do this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. They're not requests. This is the word of God. The word of the Son of God. God the Son. God. You see what he did there? He just put himself equal with God because he is God. And you have to have both. Now, I've said this before, and I know this isn't popular. But we live in a Christian culture where we hear the word from Christians' mouths. All of us are saying, God, 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 God. Every religion in the world has the word God. Only in Jesus Christ is there any meaning at all to the word God. The word God is meaningless if we don't have Jesus right there with it. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what he teaches in this chapter. That's what he's teaching five verses from now. That's what he's teaching now when he says, if you have trouble in your heart, which we can all recognize, trouble, worry, fear, concern, whatever you want to call it. He said, don't do it. And this is how you do it. You trust in God the Father, but you also trust in God the Son. And then together with them, you also have the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And you can trust the Holy Spirit as well. But in this verse, when he says, trust in God, trust also in me, he's made, them, he's made himself equal, which he is. You cannot just trust God or try to have a relationship with God outside of Jesus. You cannot do it. The only way to have relationship with God, to have your prayers answered from God, is in and through God the Son, Jesus Christ. Do you see that in this verse? He has made himself co-equal. And he is. To trust God, you have to trust Jesus. He's going to say in this chapter here in a few verses that when you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father.
our lifestyle needs to be one where we begin to replace the word God in our vocabulary with the name Jesus. Of course, the Bible is filled with the word God, okay? But every religion has the word God. Our God is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You ever notice that you could be somewhere and you could be talking about God, or if you go to some place and you say, God bless you, normally people are, are fine with that. If you look at somebody and say, may the Lord Jesus bless you, pow, time will stop. Why do you suppose that is? Why is it that everything gets serious once you start saying the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God? At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, God, and will do this to the glory of God the Father. Let's start talking about Jesus more. Jesus is God, right? If every time you use the word God, every time you said, you know, God is leading me to this, you said, Jesus is leading me to this. Now, you could say any member of the Trinity, right? They're all on the same page. Um, they're all God. They're all all-knowing, all-powerful. They're all omnipresent everywhere at all times. You could say, you know, my Heavenly Father has convicted me of this. You could say the Lord Jesus has convicted me. You can say the Holy Spirit has convicted me, right? But, but everything comes in and through Jesus. That's why Jesus said when you... You know, if you ask anything in my name, he said, my father will do it. And he also said, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it because he's God. So as a church, as a body of Christ, we want to start using the name Jesus more. Here, here's, a, here's a little test for us. If you say the word God more than you say the name Jesus, you want to make some adjustments. Again, the Bible's filled with the word God, right? But it's only in Jesus that there is any power at all in God. You have no connection, no power, no help, no nothing in God, God the Father, without Jesus Christ, God the Son. And again, I know that this is uh, I know this is hard for some people to hear. But this is what the scriptures teach, and they don't teach this because the scripture is not trying to be, you know, um, you know, just uh, rigid. The scripture is not trying to be harsh. It's the greatest love in the world to know the truth that in Jesus and for Jesus and to Jesus and through Jesus and only in Jesus do you have connection with not only him, but with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's an, it's, there's no greater love than that. 
Does that make sense, y'all? Um, you know, we're not trying to just be unnecessarily dogmatic. This is what the scriptures teach. Because if you'll give your life to Jesus by his own words, you'll have all the promises of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit will be yes and amen. Right? There's a, there's a new song out there, right? I sing it sometimes. All your promises are yes and amen. I've been told I'm not a very good singer. I'm sorry. Um, but all the scripture, all the promises, all the blessings come only in Jesus, through Jesus, to Jesus, for Jesus. It's Jesus who gave his life for you. God the Son, the Son of God. That's why he says this with his own mouth. That's why he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, semicolon, trust also in me. Because you cannot trust in God alone if you're not trusting in the Son of God, God the Son. Jesus Christ. And that's not just for our salvation. That's for every aspect of our lives. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, Melanie, we need to trust. 40 minutes. We need to trust in uh, trust in Jesus, right? So, of course, we trust our Heavenly Father. But we only do that by trusting in Jesus Christ and on relying on Jesus Christ, okay? And so, as Christians, let's, let's put the name Jesus on our lips a little bit more, okay? I'm sorry, let's do it a lot more. Because we've gotten to a place where we talk about God a lot. We can listen to teachings where the pastor will say the word God 50 times, and you'll never hear the name Jesus. And yet, there is no God save Jesus. There is no life save Jesus. There is no hope save Jesus. There's no nothing. There's no meaning. There's no love. There's no purpose. Nothing save Jesus. But in Jesus and through Jesus, all things are yours. God the Father is your heavenly Father, your Father, your Daddy. He loves you unconditionally. Jesus is your husband. You're the bride of Christ. He's your Lord and Savior and Master and King. He's your God. And then God the Holy Spirit is your comforter and your guide and your counselor, the Bible says. John 14.1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for your word, and we ask you to help us, Lord. We ask you to help us to, to not let our hearts be troubled. Help us to, to trust in God the Father, but also to trust in you, Lord Jesus, and God the Son, and Holy Spirit, to trust in you, God the Holy Spirit. Holy Trinity, we love you, we bless you, we worship you, and we thank you.
Father, I do thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. I continue to want to pray your blessing and healing and mercy in my brother Bobby, who's, who's been suffering, I don't know, 10 days, 20 days with COVID, 10 days in the hospital. I pray there would be breakthrough in the name of Jesus in my brother Bobby's life and in all those who are suffering, again, with just this terrible sickness, with this COVID. I pray for your mercy, Lord Jesus, and your healing in my brother. Lord Jesus, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask you to help us to walk out this incredible truth that although we may have troubles, Lord, that our hearts are not troubled because we do trust in God and we trust in you, Lord Jesus. We trust in our Father and we trust in Jesus Christ and we trust in you, Holy Spirit. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit our lives and our hearts into your hands in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.